Hey, welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Covering everything from animation to visual effects, from video games to virtual reality, BC's creative technologies sector is one of the most dynamic components of the provincial economy. And a new report from the Information and Communications Technology Council, as well as Industry Association, DigBC, it sets about benchmarking where the sector stands at the moment and the challenges ahead. DigBC Executive Director Locke Dow, he joins us on the show today. Locke, thank you so much for joining us uh, right here, right now. Thank you for having me, Tyler. So before we jump into kind of the, the nitty gritty of it all, uh, what was essentially the intent of this report that was just released uh, earlier this week? This this report was the first of its kind to really survey the creative technology sector in BC. There had been other other reports that surveyed the tech sector writ large, but there was no real data around the creative tech sector. So we set out to do a scan and a survey of all the companies in the ecosystem, the types of jobs uh, that people do in these companies, and the schools and education programs that connect to uh, to these companies. Is it sometimes kind of a component within the broader tech sector that is overlooked or taken for granted? You know, people know about, you know, gaming, they know about VFX, but I, I wonder if not always they, they kind of consider how much of an influence BC companies have in this broader global industry. I, I think this story of certain um, areas of, of you know, creative tech, and it's a fairly new term too, right? And, you know, up until recently, we were saying IDM, interactive digital media, right? And then we, were, we would talk about the film industry. Yeah, and then, but in the last um, little while, we realized there's a convergence going on that where creative technology explains it better. Um, and, and I think it's something new. So, it, maybe you know the story has been hard to tell because it's you know so um, technical at points. But I think now that we've framed it as creative technology um, co- companies that um, create you know entertainment content, IP, um, using um, interactive and um, um, XR technologies and and other new technologies. Yeah, it becomes easier for us to tell that story. Well, one of the stories that I was drawn into within this report, though, is, is looking at the effect that the pandemic has had on creative tech. You know, and there, there's been like this really rapid move towards remote working. We've seen that in many, many industries. Um, prior to the pandemic, what was the thought about, you know, whether or not it was even kind of a, a logistical thing that, that could be done without too many messes? Like, was it thought of kind of a, as a practical thing to do prior to the pandemic? I, I'm not 100% qualified to, um, to speak for, for all the companies and, and how they work, but my, my observations coming from um, part of this industry, but more in public service, um, I worked at the National Film Board of Canada before this and co-founded the um, NFB Digital Studio. Um, there's always been a portion of tech and tech culture um, in more in the IDM side, right? The previously known IDM side, the video game companies, the interactive um, companies, the immersive companies. They they would 
have more mixed remote teams and and I think that was more prevalent but at the crux of it from what what I've seen um, a lot of the video game creative teams and and definitely the animation and VFX pipelines um, because of the hardware and the networking requirements uh, they they've always um, been in an office so it was it was still um, a change for um, for the sector but because they are so technology is so entwined in the work, it was a much easier change and, and pivot, I think, than for some others. And I have also noticed just in the last little while, a, a lot of companies, whether it's animation or VFX, they're saying to folks here in Vancouver, look, if you want to work remotely, um, go for it. Like, uh, we're not going to force you to come back in the office. It'd be great if we can have kind of that cultural connection, uh, that corporate cultural connection, I should say. Um, is there kind of a, a, a new view on just the practicality or is that mostly built into kind of the idea that, you know, talent is in demand and if talent is asking for this, uh, let's oblige to make sure that we are, are, are meeting the headcount goals that we need. Yeah, I think, I think that picture is shifting and it continues to shift as, as we talk. We, we've had a few meetings um, within, within industry just talking about what, what does return to work, return to the office look like? And um, um, and we've had a, a great um, leader in our midst, um, EA has, um, you know, we have the benefit of their um, having many offices around the world. So we have data and, and also the ability to um, um, to dedicate um, time and scientists to this. So we, you know, we have data from the UK and from Sweden. Uh, we have other members um, that have offices in Australia and, of course, the U.S. So um, as as we've been, you know, looking at the global demand for talent and, like you said, the the challenge for um, of not not just you know getting new talent but retaining current talent. I think I think those discussions are definitely shifting, and I think the the challenge will will come down to how much will the nature of creative work shift over time here. And, and for us, that's a, that's an exciting area as well. I think there's opportunity there um, that technology is going to solve that we haven't seen yet that we've seen, you know, glimpses of during the pandemic when things like film festivals shifted to online, right. And, and um, creative teams have started um, working more in, in virtual environments, whether it be in headset or, or just, um, you know, flat screen environments. Well, the report notes that about 10% of the talent within the sector, uh, they're recruited internationally. Uh, do you think that that might be something that will go down just because, you know, remote working is more of an option? Or is there still going to be that kind of demand to recruit talents uh, to meet the goals here uh, domestically? And you have to go overseas to find that. BC has um, has a, is a great source of talent. And I think that's why we... Um, you know, when we did the study, we weren't sure what that number was going to be uh, come in, and we, we thought it might actually be higher. But um, when when we you know looked at the data, we were pleasantly surprised to see. Um, so, but having said that, um, there's such a global demand for talent, as you know. That's you know, I think I think you know some some companies will just hire the best that they can find for a role, and. Um, I, I think most of the time they're they're going to hope that that um, person will come here. But I'm hearing stories of of senior 
um, leaders working remotely now as well. Um, and, and it depends on the company and the size of the company and the and how quickly they're shifting their their company culture as well. Well, one of the components that I'm curious about, though, is you look at kind of this demand for talent. Is it, you know, just is it going to come from like more, uh, you know, educational institutions or is it really more of the, the senior talents, uh, you know, kind of uh, mid-level managers or something like that that we need here in BC to remain competitive within the industry? So we're, we're, we're seeing a couple of things. We've seen it over time that, you know, there's there's been the benefits of having an EA in Vancouver or Ubisoft in Montreal where, you know, they, they really are a great training ground for for a sector and you know at the begin you know beginning of it now we have many uh, companies that are are uh, playing that role and in the last few months we've seen two companies um, spin off um, that are were uh, co-founded by people that left uh, EA for example so I think I think there's always going to be that <clears throat> demand for the more uh, senior talent from anywhere to be you know to be a senior manager or, um, you know, even a co-founder. Um, but at the BC, at the schools level, um, as you see in the report, one of our recommendations uh, was increased collaboration between the post-secondary and industry. And the province has been great at um, uh, engaging in, in um, what that means. Um, as, as you probably saw, there was that announcement last week about micro-credentials um, from, from the province of BC. And um, so we're engaged um, as uh, an industry partner in, in this planning and this discussion. Um, and, and we're working with um, all the public post-secondary institutions and private um, um, post-secondary institutions uh, to meet our talent needs. And, um, and it's been a really great experience where you know, we're having um, we're able to actually sit down and say, this is, you know, this is our report. This is what our industry needs. This is, these are the top jobs that we're going to fill. Um, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing um, growth and we know um, that we can, can add more talent from BC um, if we, if we strategically work together. You brought up that announcement from last week regarding micro-credentials. The big component there, and correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, boosting diversity within the uh, sector as well, uh, giving a lot more people, uh, whether it's uh, people of color, women, more of an opportunity to get in with these job placements that the uh, government will be covering the bill for. I, I believe my tax and another organization is, is involved as well. But how important is it that uh, we really do ramp up these efforts to diversify the sector, even amid this big, big race to hire people to keep up and stay competitive? It's, it's really important. Um, so yeah, la- last week I actually saw two announcements. So micro-credentials is for the Post-second, public post-secondary institutions to um, apply for new programs to create new short-form courses um, to um, to provide you know micro uh, mini credentials that are stackable um, and that's that that's one um, of our um, main pillars that we're working on with all the schools and and um, to meet the the jobs that we've identified here. The other announcement um, was the uh, ISI one, right? The Innovator Skills Initiative. So that. That was um, um, put together by Parliamentary Secretary Brenda Bailey and Minister Kalon, um, and, and we were consulted on on that as well. So Innovate BC is um, partnering uh, with ICTC 
who incidentally was our partner on this report and also uh, with my tax. And yeah, we're, it's really good news that they were able to increase the funding uh, to focus on underrepresented groups. Um, it's something that's really uh, important to us and that we're working on um, in, in our sector to, to um, really re make sure that we represent um, the population around us. Well, I'll leave us off with this question, and I think it's something that many people are curious about as their own habits for entertainment have changed significantly during the pandemic. You know, uh, when we started off, um, the film industry uh, globally hit the pause button. You know, productions weren't going. Um, that had kind of the knock-on effects. Of what does it mean for VFX folks if um, there, there's no <laughs> uh, work to be done on the live action side? Like, how do you accentuate that with VFX? Um you know, flash forward 18 months later, um, what is the overall outlook on the industry moving forward as streaming services are, are coming online? People are maybe staying home as well, but um, is the outlook bright for BC's creative tech sector? It's, re it's really bright. Yeah, you, you, you hit it on the head that at the early, at the beginning of the pandemic, animation and video games um, were, were very resilient. VFX, um, when when their projects that were had already started ran out, um, hit a bit of a, a you know a, a, a hard time. But they um, they've come back, um, and um, we have identified uh, twenty percent um, growth um, in in the sector uh, in in the last year during the pandemic. So um, this study in this study we talked about. Um, 10,000 uh, jobs in the sector, but that's that's um, for the companies we interviewed um, since since then. You know, in in our updated counting, and um, when we take into account the companies we didn't interview, uh, we we're looking at a growth from about 12,000 in the sector to 14,000 in the last year, and we expect that growth to continue. Um, we're we're seeing a really big demand for content. Um, like you say, for on the streaming um, side of things, as well as um, on the video game side of things. And I also wanted to add um, in in this report, um, we um, we would we touched on uh, mixed reality XR, um, but that's an area that um, we would like to uh, to uh, study further because um, I know that that sector was um, was hit hard. Uh, during the pandemic for the smaller companies you know obviously our larger members like like a unity um were fine um but um that's that's an area where we're curious to explore because we we see uh the potential for growth uh, for new um new companies that will come out of this convergence between our video game companies and mixed reality and um and filmmaking well, yeah, one of the things I noticed in the report is like most of these XR, you know, folks might think of it as augmented, augmented reality or, or virtual reality, or as you said, mixed reality. But um, a lot of these in BC, they're very small companies. Is that one of the reasons why maybe they struggled? Or was it just kind of demand for this sort of technology at the outset of the pandemic? It was facing a little bit more uncertainty. Yeah, we're, we're not really sure. You know, it could be because of the size of the company. Uh, and it also could could be that the the sector as a whole um, has you know has has really been shifting like VR VR um, you know has had its ups and downs uh, AR has you know un, untapped potential still and then the combination you know of that with with mixed reality I think that that area um, is 
has a lot, a lot more to come. Um, but that's why we want to do um, some further studying of the XR ecosystem in BC because, um, you know, there's a lot of stories there that um, we, we just don't know until we dig more. Well, you have to promise me to keep me updated as this goes through. I'm very, very interested in uh, the, the future of this industry. It's something I cover for the paper. But in the meantime, uh, Locke, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for so much for having me, Tyler. That is Locke Dow. He is Executive Director of DigiBC, and that is it for now. But we'll be back soon. In the meantime, you can go to BIV.com. More interviews and more stories there. I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.